Welcome to the Ethical Entrepreneur Podcast. This is the podcast for online business owners who want to know more about what it means to be ethical in business. This podcast covers everything from ethical marketing to diversity, inclusivity, sustainability, and everything in between. Join me, Sam, your podcast host, as I chat to other business owners and share a few of my own insights into the world of ethics in business. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're also serious when it matters. So expect banter, the occasional swear, fun, and sometimes difficult conversations. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And because, of course, it really helps us get more reach. So all there is to say is enjoy the show. So today's episode... I thought it would make sense to talk about my experience of being an ethical entrepreneur, and that is ethical marketing. What is ethical marketing? Now, I'm going to start this by saying people can get ethical marketing very wrong, in my opinion, and they can totally tip it the other way. If you, I don't know if you're aware, but bro marketing is a term that's been around for a few years now, and it was coined not by the fact that we've got men doing scammy unethical marketing and sales practices there's lots of people that still do it now but it's seen as a thing it's over the top in your face aggressive marketing and sales tactics and so obviously many people don't agree with that and so the term ethical marketing goes against that but you can go too far because we still need to sell our services we still need to show people that we've got a solution to their problem and if you take ethical marketing too far then you can be too scared to show up and even do that because how do you do that without coming across as icky and salesy and so that's what I really wanted to cover in this episode my thoughts and opinions on what makes ethical marketing and how you can get that balanced approach to marketing that feels good but that also is going to ultimately lead to sales right because that's what we're all here for so the first thing I think to think about is the intention like your intention behind your marketing and 99% of people listening to this don't need to worry because your intentions are generally good but your intention will show so if you're desperate if you're desperate for sales then just think about that just think about those feelings that you're feeling right now when you're doing your marketing because that will come across you know, the more relaxed you are, the more relaxed your marketing will be. When you're desperate, it can lead you to write and do things in a very desperate way. I think there might be a valid argument as well. And this is just an opinion that when you get to a certain level of income, you're going to find it harder to maintain and you'll have a certain lifestyle. There'll be possibly certain bills that you have to meet every month. And so that pressure is probably higher And if you get involved with the wrong type of coach, then that can lead you to doing pressurizing, icky things. So there is that fear as well of I don't want to earn too much money because what if I turn into a bro marketer? But I also know that there are people out there earning a lot of money, marketing in a very nice way, with integrity, with ethics at the forefront. So one of the things I've done um, is looked at what other people perceive as ethical marketing because we're not just going on my opinions here (laughs) so there's a really good blog that ahrefs did um, and if you want to go and have a look at it it's ahrefs.com forward slash blog forward slash ethical hyphen marketing 
And I do apologize if my voice keeps going. I've got a bit of a sore throat at the moment. And so some of the things that were coming up in this blog, they put a post out to everybody asking them what ethical marketing meant to them. And some of the comments they got back were seeing customers as humans. I think that's where compassion comes in. Not trying to bait them into buying, trying something that they don't want. And that's where if you get your marketing right, you don't need to bait people into buying things because you're marketing to the right people, not exaggerating on the value proposition, which I do see a lot. There's things that I've bought that I've gone into and thought, hmm, okay, that wasn't quite what I expected. Not making up things that are not real. Not belittling your competitors. That's name shaming to get customers. I mean, that just screams ick, right? If if you have to belittle your competition to get people through your door, that means you've got no unique selling point. Like, what is your USB? What makes you stand out? Um, nothing. The only thing that makes you stand out is slagging other people off. And another really interesting comment was every marketer, every person, in fact, knows what's the right thing to do in a given situation. That thin line between what's right and what's beyond ethical marketing to me is staying true to that feeling so again it comes back to that intention that feeling how you feel about something in my educational experience um and i've got a professional diploma in digital marketing with the chartered institute of marketing i've worked in marketing for a number of years both in corporate businesses and with online businesses And in my education experience, I was taught to research the environment, research customers, competitors, look at how you can improve the customer experience, look at what makes you stand out, what's your unique selling point, looking at marketing channels, where your audience is at, researching your audience. There were proper frameworks in place. And these frameworks take you step by step through the marketing process. There wasn't a chapter on FOMO. There wasn't a unit on scarcity tactics. These are tactics that we've kind of taken as part of the marketing process and really blown up. So what are good and not so good tactics and how do we do them right in a way that feels right without being scared to do them? Because marketing, you have to market yourself. If you don't show up, No one's going to see you and no one's going to buy from you. So how do you show up and do it in a good way? So I'm often asked with things like email marketing, how often should I email my list? And there's no right or wrong answer to this, I'm afraid. If you want to email your audience every day, then go for it. If you only want to send an email once a week, then do that. But make people aware that that's what you're doing and that's how you work. And you can do that at the point of sign up. So GDPR law rules state that if you're going to market to someone when you're taking their email address, they need to actually opt in. There are other legal bases, if that's even a word, that you can use to send someone a marketing email. But generally, it's at the point that you take their email address that they have to be aware that they're opting into your marketing. This This is where you can tell them If you sign up for this thing or if you put your information in here, you get an email. I send emails every day. I send emails every week so that they know. So it's not a surprise. When you're running campaigns, sales campaigns, 
one really good thing that you can do is give people the option to opt out of that particular campaign. I did this for a very big business that I worked for and it had brilliant results. People who would normally just completely unsubscribe were just unsubscribing from that. The unsubscribes decreased dramatically and people were choosing to opt out of the campaign instead, which is great because not everybody is interested in every single thing you have to offer. So those are just a couple of good email marketing tips. Another one is FOMO. And it's a horrible term, isn't it? But the thing is, there are deadlines. We have real deadlines that we have to adhere to. If you're running a program, if you're offering a discount, there has to be an end date. So it's perfectly acceptable to say, just 24 hours left to get this thing. What I don't feel is acceptable is when we say, there's 24 hours left to get this thing. If you don't get it now, the rest of your year is going to be shit. Your business is likely to fail, etc., etc. It's not nice. That's excessive FOMO. By all means, tell people the transformation that they're going to get. But don't imply that them not working with you means that their life is going to be terrible. Because you're you're trying you're trying to remove the critical thinking. And it's also not inclusive. And this is something I talk about a lot. And that is when you're neurodiverse, impulsivity is a thing. And we have to be really aware of that in our marketing messaging. I actually put this out on my page the other day because I was talking about countdown timers and whether they're a good or bad thing because of this very reason, this impulsivity to purchase things. And we all have a responsibility to be inclusive. And so I wanted to get some feedback from people who had ADHD. I'm on the pathway for an ADHD diagnosis, but Wherever we can, we should always, always get opinions of other people and not just rely on our own thought. And that's something that I talk about and I'll probably talk about in another podcast. And people coming back and it was quite interesting, actually, saying that, yes, ADHD did make them impulsive and they'd got lots of impulsive buys and things that they'd got over the years. But what would be really helpful was not having 24 hour sales so that people had longer to think about things and if you did purchase something that you didn't get access to straight away having a little bit of a calling off period would be really useful so having the deadline maybe not directly before the program start date maybe having it a few days before so that when that buyer's remorse does kick in they have that option to pull out if it was something that they didn't need the term pain points is something that I now take issue with I hate that term I hate pain points it conjures up just so many horrible images. <laughs> um, and I, I I, think it's it's really very simple. People have a problem and you provide a solution. I don't agree that we need to, you know, reintroduce trauma to people. And this really does vary from sector to sector. Because if I'm talking about marketing pain points, that's very different than talking about someone who's been in an abusive relationship. You know, if I'm a therapist, it's a very, very different thing. And it's just something to be very sensitive around. Another thing is monetary claims. And I do have a lot of friends that very much dislike this. And again, I think there's a real balanced view that you should take here. Um, one is that when you see a monetary claim, you do have to kind of take it with a pinch of salt because people can make these things up. Like even if you show proof, you can still Photoshop things. 
they will never really, really, truly know. If you're working with a mentor who is promising monetary returns for you and they've been where you are now, then I I would want to see, you know, what kind of money they had made and ideally some some claims to back that up. But I suppose this comes down to doing your due diligence and that's more than just looking at monetary claims. That's looking at reviews and testimonials and speaking to people that have worked with them. Um, hopefully it's someone that you got on personal recommendation. Do they have accreditations and not ones that you can buy online for £100? And and do they have, you know, look at the um, reviews on places like Trustpilot, not just the reviews that they've put on their fancy, gorgeous, sparkly sales page. So big businesses tend to have lots of policies and procedures in the way things are done. So they'll have something for diversity and inclusion. They'll have something for bullying. They'll have something for social media use. But as a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur working on your own, it's probably not the kind of thing that you have. Definitely, probably not to start with. So something you can have instead is a code of ethics. And this can just be a document that outlines what your values are, how that translates into your business so that you can avoid misunderstandings with people that you work with because you will be working with other freelancers at other points in your career to help you in certain areas of your business. And it just, it's a very black and white, clear document that lays out exactly who you are. Because for example, I've worked with the Facebook ads manager before who I went to with the product that we needed to advertise. I told them the price. They said, no, that needs to be increased so that we can give it a discount because things sell better when they're discounted. This product was never going to be sold at full price. There was never an end to the discount date. And just to remind everybody as well, if you didn't know already, that everything that you put on your website, on your social media posts, anything that's selling, that's an advert. And it's still covered by advertising standards. You can go and check those out online. And those that kind of thing didn't sit well with my values. And if the owner of that business had a code of ethics that anybody working within that business had hold of, that wouldn't have even come into question. It wouldn't be something that anybody tried to do because in your code of ethics, it would say, you know, we don't overinflate our, our prices to give people a perceived discount. If you're not sure what to put in your code of ethics, I have created a template on the website you can download. Um, there'll be a link to it in the show notes here as well if you want to go and grab that. There's lots of other resources and signposting things on the website as well. And the website is ethical-entrepreneur.com. And I guess I just want to end it on, as we're talking about ethics <laughs> and values, don't ever be afraid to say no about working with someone who doesn't uphold the same values as you because it will follow you around and I've seen this more and more in the online space and I'm seeing more people pull out things because of associations and I think that's a good thing because what will happen eventually is if we all decide to follow our values and not work or associate with people who are very clearly doing unethical things it's really going to make those people think about what they're doing we've all done things that we're not massively proud of I think we're all capable of changing how we operate our businesses. And as I said earlier, I think we all, that some people get to a point where they feel like they have no other choice. 
are made to feel like they have no other choice. So people can change. And I think the more that we call this stuff out, the more people will change. And the less people out there there will be that that lose lots of money or are traumatised by marketing. I have friends who are too scared to market their businesses for fear of being seen as icky because they've done things they're not proud of, because they've been told to do things in a way that they now look back on and cringe about and they actually feel really awful about it. So that was this week's episode, um, all about what ethical marketing is and what it means to me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something from it. Please, please, please do follow. Please leave a review. Please share. It all means so much to me. And I will catch you all in the next episode when I will be running many more shows with guests talking about ethics in different sectors, what it means to them, and so on. So thanks for listening.